0: Every able-bodied adult has two things: the ability and the opportunity to defend themselves. You have the ability, meaning, hey, let me take a little money, go get some training. Let me, let me set aside something to go take care of that. You have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing today, and I'm gonna go learn this stuff. The ability and the opportunity. So why in the world? What I jeopardized, everything I built in my life, because you didn't feel like you wanted to go take a class for one day. That's nonsense. Too many people don't want a gun and then they want you to defend them. Here's the problem with that. When you go before the judge, you can't say, your honor, I'm sorry. I uh, I know that Betsy shot the guy, but she was defending me and I want to take her charge. It didn't work that way. They're going to say, well, she did it. So she's got to take the charge now. Now I have disrupted my circle. I have ruined everything in my life because you didn't feel like you want to take a one day class to learn how to shoot properly. That's nonsense. We don't do that. I live
1: better than a king ever did. I live better than a king. Welcome back Freedom Junkies to more Freedom Junkie Radio, the podcast that brings freedom to our lives in ways we didn't know we needed freedom in our lives. And today's guest is truly, you know, I've been thinking about him and I think Dosekis doesn't have anything on this guy. I think he might be the most interesting man in the world. But before we get to my guest today, I need to make a little announcement and I'm going to try to do this in a way that won't get this particular episode struck from Spotify, an episode that I did a year ago on a particular mineral solution that is uh, having miraculous um, effects in people's lives and their health. That interview got struck from Spotify. I found out about it yesterday. And so what that means is that there are underlings that captivate, which is the the, the service that I use to send my podcast out to everywhere that has a podcast, uh, it also struck it until I figure out what's going on, you know, and I figured that out. I, I went and looked up what their prohibited content is. And I think this must be new because the podcast has been on there for a year. And it we're no longer allowed to talk about certain things on Spotify. So podcasting up until recently has been a refuge for free speech. You know, I, I didn't post that particular one on YouTube because I know better there. The censorship is rampant on YouTube. Um, if anyone's interested in learning about something that can really affect your health in a very positive way, go find it. It's my interview with Lana from a particular telegram channel. Um, and it's still up on Rumble. So you, it's about a year old. And anyway, I'm going to be doing an entire podcast on this once I get to the bottom of it and figure out why a year later that podcast was struck. And I'm also going to be revamping my website and my podcast so that I cannot get banned. I can't get censored completely. Because if I have a couple more of these, Spotify will take me down completely. Captivate will take me down completely and the whole Freedom Junkie radio will be gone. So uh, I just wanted y'all to know about that, if this might be a good time to boycott that particular company. And uh, if you're listening to it on there, I'm talking to you. So anyway, with uh, with no further ado, I would like to introduce my guest. Like I said, he might be the most interesting man in the world. Um, there's so many interesting facets about this character. What we're going to be talking about today has to do with our Second Amendment rights, and I know that if you're a freedom junkie, and you've been listening to this, you probably are exercising your Second Amendment rights, and if you're not shame on you, we know that the Second Amendment is the thing that has kept this entire world, including Texas and America. Uh, from just going the way of China. We still have a little bit of free speech, and we can still uh, walk around and, and feel relatively free. It's gotten worse, but that Second Amendment's the only reason we have that. And so we've been exercising our Second Amendment, right? We go buy guns, and we get our Concealed carry licenses and we go take a class and we think we're good. In fact, I had some friends, some new friends from New Zealand who escaped New Zealand during the lockdowns. And the first thing they did when they got to the United States was buy guns because they can, they can't, you can't buy guns in New Zealand. So, but a year went by and they had not shot them. So we helped remedy that. My guest today is Jazz Davis. He is an amazing artist out of Buda, Texas. He, uh, his other thing besides making incredible art is teaching people tactical self-defense with their weapon and really putting people into positions and situations, situational awareness
0: uh, with your second amendment.
1: So Jazz, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you're here.
0: I mean thanks for having me Betsy. I've been waiting so long to do this. This is a is an honor. I appreciate it.
1: Well, uh, so my introduction for you <clears throat> that um we were talking a little bit the other day about how badly prepared people are for actually using their gun in situations. Will you tell us why this is so important to you?
0: Oh, oh man. Woo, you go open up a can of worms today, man. It is important to me because everyone has the right to self-defense, right? No one has to be a victim, but we don't exercise that right. We exercise a lot of rights. Like you said, we exercise the 2 A rights. We exercise the right to freedom of speech. And if you want to call it a lot of other things that we exercise our rights for, but what we don't do to actually practice for those events that may happen. And so that's super important to me and my line of work, run across a lot of people who have the tools but they don't practice with the tools so um man it's just near and dear to my heart man i just it's it's a shame that so many people have the tools but they really don't know how to use them Uh, and more importantly they don't understand the severity of not being prepared to use them
1: okay so give us a situation in which someone who thinks they might be prepared or not is not prepared
0: sure absolutely so uh I'm the owner of Modern Gladiator Defense. We uh, specialize in taking people from tactical to practical. I love action movies like anybody else. You see action movies, you see all this cool stuff, but then can you really do that? Um, Can you really perform some of those things you need to perform? And so number one scenario, people come to me, or well, I won't say me, because my classes are a little bit different, but people go get their license to carry and they never touch that gun again. They may go to the range once or twice a year, And that's about it. So uh, what makes our company a little different than most companies is there's an interview process. So you can't just call us up and say, hey, man, we want to come shoot today. Doesn't work that way. We run an interview process. We want to make sure we're a good fit for training together. And we can not only get you what we need, what you need, but uh, make sure that you understand that we are about teaching you to defend your life. So when people call and they say, hey, I want to get my license to carry. Okay, great. So we have a questionnaire and one of the questions i ask is say how often do you practice at home at home what do you you mean practice at home it blows their minds that i asked them that i say, yeah how much do you dry fire at home oh uh well, well never okay uh how often do you practice in the car in the car what do you mean practice in the car well you carry your firearm in the vehicle right yeah well shouldn't you be practicing in the car so that would probably be the first scenario i would say right there where people just so
1: uh, okay so you mentioned to me when we spoke the other day that you took a couple through a a training situation where Mm -hmm. where there was a kidnapping situation and they Mm -hmm. both just they both had guns and they both didn't use them they just let the kidnapping situation please tell us about that one or, or what?
0: Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, working with another firearm instructor, uh, actually wasn't my class. We, we run scenarios. So if you take a license to carry class with us, it's an all day class. We don't just uh, do the four hours and send you on your way. We do what's required by DPS, but then we actually send you through some scenarios. We actually give you some training on holster work, uh, how to engage from your vehicle, all those things that you really need to understand. And so, uh, Oftentimes myself and uh, instructors are more we will switch roles and so he said, "Hey, can you be a bad guy for my scenario?" I said, "Sure, no problem." and so uh the fr- I'll give you two scenarios because we did two that I was I was really uh, worried about this particular couple but in the first one, I came into their home and uh they I basically ran them out of their home. I sat on the sofa and I watched TV and they let me and they did. Absolutely nothing. And they both had guns. And uh, I was really disappointed in that scenario. So we said, well, maybe it's because they have the comfort level of being at home. Let's take them out of the home environment. And let's put them outdoors. And so we put them in a uh, restaurant scenario. And so in the restaurant scenario, I came in, I uh, I robbed the husband. And I said, give me all your money. I want all your money. Oh, I don't have any more money. Okay, well, you don't have any more money. I'm going to take your wife. And uh, he just goes, oh, okay. And just kind of froze. And I almost broke character and was like, no, what do you mean? Just, you know, like the defender in me came out, but I I kept character and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to take it with me. And I grabbed her by the arm and I said, are you coming with me? She goes, okay. And then I I had enough. And I said, wait a minute, let's time out. Stop. It's a break scenario. I said, you're just going to go with me? And she goes, "I, I guess I just, just have to go. I'm like, but you both have guns. And so all that being said to say, lots of people have guns, but they're really not prepared to use them.
1: And you also told me that people aren't really prepared to shoot people. We, we use targets a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> true. Very true. I ask in my class, I say, ask them three times to say, or I say it three times. I say, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. Don't answer it out loud because I don't want to know the answer. And I leave them hanging with this question. I say, Can you actually take a life? And you see the wheel start to turn. So don't answer because I don't want to know the answer. I say, There's a difference between taking your life and taking a life to protect your own or your family. Totally different things. And once they can get past that, oh, I'm not a murderer, I'm only protecting myself, it makes it a little easier for them to understand. We use a lot of uh, CO2 uh, SIM guns, and we use a lot of airsoft to to simulate some of the movements that we have to go through. And nine out of 10 people, when you give them a non-lethal, something that doesn't shoot a projectile whatsoever, they can't even point it at you. They usually do this. They're looking at me like I'm looking at you, but they do this. Okay, get out of here and stop. That tells the would-be bad guy, hey, you're not really prepared to do what you have to do. They did a study. I can't remember whose um whose video this was, but they did a study. They asked guys in prison, they said, Are you scared of people with guns? He said, No, because we can take them from most people. Um they can tell when you're prepared and when you're ready to do it. I don't have a gun in my hand at all, right? And if I say, hey, stop, stop what you're doing. It just, it doesn't look like I mean it. So watch this, no gun in my hand. I go, hey, stop. It changes everything. My posture is straight. I'm, there's nowhere for you to look, but right there at that gun, right? It changes everything. So we focus on preparing the mind versus just all the shooting parts of it because that's really not the way it should be.
1: Okay, you know, you had mentioned how people who are concealed carry, like in Texas, we used to have to have our concealed carry to conceal carry, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: now anyone can concealed carry, and so you don't even have to have a class. Does that make you? you
0: oh, oh. <laughs> that, is, that is my biggest pet peeve. So watch this. People say, what do I need a license for? I don't, I don't need a license. Okay, great. What's a 30-odd? Five sign, huh? What's a thirty out six? What? What's the thirty out seven? Those are the three most common signs you will see. There's four, 30-06, out five, six, seven, and a fifty-one percent. Okay, most I people know, don't know. What hold on, I know. Yeah.
1: Thirty out okay. six, 30 out seven, uh-huh. and fifty-one percent. Thirty out six is um, you can't conceal carry in here. Good. You, uh-huh. Even if you have a license, you can't carry. Those are hospitals and things like that. That's basically. Good. I won't go in those places. Because mm-hmm. that means you're a sitting duck. No one has a gun. 30X11 right. is uh, no open carry. Good. Which people Good. are stupid to open carry because if anybody wants to take out a threat, you're going to be the first one to get taken out in a mm-hmm. situation. I don't think you should open carry. The 51% is in the bars or restaurants that where an, an establishment makes more than 51% of their uh, income from liquor sales. So a bar.
0: On-site liquor consumption. Yes, correct. Yes.
1: yes. So you can't have a gun in a bar, which uh, I don't know how I feel about that. What's 30-out-5?
0: 30-out-5 is no carry at all. So there's a difference. Six is no concealed. Seven is no open. Five is a no-go. I always say, if you see a sign with a five on it, don't take your gun. It's 51% and a 30-out-5. And so um, if you encounter a 30 out 5 sign, it doesn't matter if it's concealed or open, you cannot carry in that location. So and going back can, to-
1: It's a combination of 30 out 6 and 30 out 7
0: Correct, correct. And so uh, what throws people off and, and to answer that initial question, why do I need a license? If you go in a 30 out 5 establishment and you don't have a license, you're pretty much going to jail. Um, don't pass go, go to jail if I have a license and I go in a 30-05 establishment, um, I'm going to have a lot more leniency than you're going to have. And there's one of the first reasons that you want your license right there.
1: Well, the other reason why we, why I kept mine is because there's a lot of states that are reciprocal with Texas. So <laughs> um, without your carry license from Texas, when we travel to other States, we wouldn't be able to carry our guns Um in those states. Now, a lot of states are just beta states like California. It doesn't have a reciprocal with Texas. So it's just, you know, I don't know how you're going to defend yourself against a bad guy with a gun. Um, right. So... Uh, the other day when we got to talk, we got, we went into some really interesting places. You were talking a little Mm -hmm. bit about your history. I'm interested in how you ended up so interested in tactical safety and, and yeah, yeah.
0: Be happy, be happy to share those stories. I, I tell these a lot in my class. Um, because, uh, being a, a Air Force veteran, everybody just assumes that you learn to shoot in the military. Let me just go ahead and say this now. I don't care if your uncle was in the military, your dad, your mom, your uh, your dad's a cop. Those skills don't translate to you by osmosis. Stop going to, to training and go, well, my dad was in the military. Oh, you know, well, my mom was in. That has nothing to do with you. There is this immediate stigma of, oh, I, I know, I know, I know. It's okay not to know. It's okay not to know, and I say that because I didn't know for years. I told you I didn't become a patriot until I was in my thirties. But that's another question. That's another thing, right? So, whenever uh, when I was sixteen, my mom had a gun held her head. I ended up between that gun and my mom, and uh, it was a terrible situation. Uh, I remember the revolver clearly. I could actually see the rounds in the cylinder. Um, My mom was able to get away. And uh, that day we didn't get good service as far as law enforcement is is concerned. Um, not not considering the time that it took them to get there because that's that's not important, but after they got there they just didn't do a good job with a report or anything. The most important part about that story because everybody hears it, oh my God, oh, oh. My mom went and got training rather than being afraid of guns. My mom took that as an opportunity to say, nope. We're not going to let this situation ruin us or control us. This is how it works. And so gun safety was something that was drilled in us very, very young. And we didn't have any gun accidents in our home. My mom didn't even have a lock on our gun. My mom had her gun in a drawer. That was it. There was no such thing as a trigger lock. She didn't even have a holster. It was none of that, right? And we never played with the gun. We never had any issues. Um, So that was my real introduction to defense. Um, When I was in the Air Force... My wife and I were traveling down a narrow road. It's raining. A guy walking on the side of the road. There's no sidewalk, just a narrow road. Um, I went around him the best that I could. In his mind, I tried to run him over. And so he followed us to the house we went to. He broke in and tried to kill us both with a knife. And so I uh, went to see a friend. We're sitting down talking. I'm, I'm at a table like I am now. My wife's here. My friend's over there. We're here. He said, man, you expecting anybody? I'm like, I don't even live here. What do you mean by expecting anybody? No, I'm not expecting anybody. He goes over to the door and he's like, who is it? And the guy just burst right in the door. Guy comes in, big knife, looked like he'd been, uh, looked like a, the edge of a tin can. It was very, very jagged. And he uh, he said, you've to run me over. And I'm like, man, I didn't try to run you over. Now, pause right there. I was in the military. Yeah, I qualified on an M16. I didn't know anything about guns. And it's a good thing I didn't have a gun because I didn't know the law. And I didn't know how to use it, so I either would have got my gun taken from me, and something worse happened, or I would have went to jail because I didn't know the law. So just because you have a, because uh, you don't have to have a license, doesn't mean you should have a firearm. Now, with that being said, excuse me. He uh, very angry. He lunged at me, and um, nothing but the grace of God that I sit here before you today, because as he tried to cut me, he could not. So he jammed and just could not connect. He could not connect and he got so frustrated and he beat me up really good that night, but he could not cut me with that knife. And so I'm being protected as he's trying to cut me. There's nothing worse than being at a, uh, the end of a projectile, gun, knife, whatever, and waiting on somebody else to decide what you can do with your life. And so he attempted to cut me. He couldn't, he could hit me, but he could not cut me. And that is truly the grace of God. And so he got frustrated. He says, well, fine, expletives. What if I cut your, you know, so talking to my wife? I jumped between them and again, he just could not cut me. He could hit me, but he could not cut me. He got frustrated, he gave up and he left the house. I said, we went to visit a friend. That friend was standing behind this guy when this was happening. That friend ran out in the middle of the night, screaming, hey, hey." nobody came, nobody came to help. And I tell my students that all the time, nobody's coming to help you. And as much as you may love your husband or your wife or or your spouse, they're probably not gonna be there if something bad happens. So stop relying on other people to help you. So he ran off in the night, nothing happened, great. Third and final terrible story I'll tell you. Uh, When I got out of the military, I was a complete wreck. Um, I was suicidal. I was uh, on all types of drugs. This was more than 20 years ago. Don't worry, I'm I'm sane and sober, right? It's a long time ago. But uh, because of the absence of God in my life, I was really in a loss. And so uh, I was just a totally different type of person. And I remember going out, I lived in New York City. I go out to smoke a cigarette and I go out on my stoop and I put the cigarette in my mouth and I say, man, I wanna die today. And before I can get today out of my mouth, this guy turns a corner, comes up on my stoop with a gun in his waist. He's like, yo, son, you've been looking at me all day. And here I am at gunpoint. My world stopped. Uh, this This was real. It's funny how God uses things To change your mind. Immediately, I was no longer suicidal. I didn't want to die anymore. That was the last thing I wanted to do was die. And here I am pleading with this guy on my step in broad daylight and people are walking by. Nobody's coming to help. I cowered. I turned in the corner. I cried. I wet myself. It's the most embarrassing thing you can probably think of, right? I'm just pleading, begging for my life. Two things. One, I ignored a pre-conflict indicator. At that moment, when time froze, I realized that I saw him one time earlier in the day. He had walked across the street. And when he walked across the street, he looked at me. And maybe he took that look as offense. I don't know, because I was very cowardly. I was not about fighting. I would fight if I had to, but I didn't want to. That was not who I was. And so he made his way around the block and he came back around again to, to shoot me because I was looking at him. I opened my eyes and he had ran off. And it was at that moment I said, no more. I decided to never be a victim again. Again, I was done with that. I had I, never felt so bad in my life. And uh, like I say, cured, cured those, those thoughts, cured, cured my uh, my negative behaviors. And at that time, I learned to fight. I learned to shoot. I learned to do all the things that I needed to do to defend myself and my wife and my family because there's nothing worse than just just being at somebody else's whim you know and so that is truly how i started uh that was the day i became a defender that day
1: well you had had military training so you knew how to use a gun mm-hmm. and kind
0: so, of not a handgun
1: so you went and pursued training and and bought a I gun
0: did. i did i didn't buy a gun then but i i started uh I did what everybody else does. You let somebody teach you how to do stuff, right? But then somewhere in the middle of that, I said, you know what, it makes more sense to get it done formally, to get it done professionally and learn from the people who really know. And I think that was one of the the, the wonderful things for me. So my uh, my father uh, was a, um, an army vet. He was um, a warrant officer, great man, uh, fantastic. Chief, love him. Call my dad Chief, right? Uh, love him to death, and he was a catalyst for me learning properly. He's all about gun safety. Never seen him do anything unsafe with a firearm. And even though he wasn't my primary teacher, he instilled those values in me. And he was properly trained, which made me want to be properly trained. But it was one of those things. It was like they were, they were. Even though they were around, it wasn't like something that that I really cared about. Like most people, you know, like you don't really care about guns until you need one.
1: Right. I mean, so I've done uh situational type training where, you know, I, if I'm carrying a gun in a handbag, say mm-hmm. it's not the ideal place to be carrying a gun, obviously, because you cannot draw quickly. And the, the instructor we had said, you, you want your gun to be hot, meaning that you want a, a bullet in the chamber, because if you have mm-hmm. to Rack your gun. That that second that it takes to do that is the second that yeah, yeah that you don't have. And yeah. so I've practiced, you know. So being a woman and not necessarily carrying uh, in a holster or car- so carrying in a handbag. Say, I am not. If it's a situation at like an ATM and someone comes up to to rob you. There's really not, I, at that point, it's as if I don't have a gun. It's not, there's nothing I can really do. So my situation is more like if I'm in a restaurant and someone comes in and starts, you know, shooting people. First of all, one of the things I've learned is don't be, this is hard because people like us that love humanity, we, we want, we, we want to be the hero. We want to save any person, you know, every human life is so precious. Um, but they say, don't be the hero. You need to get yourself and your loved ones out. And how many situations you can watch them on YouTube, where, for instance, a guy's and I'll come back to the restaurant and what I'm thinking, but um, a guy this just happened recently, I think um, a guy was in line at Walmart, and a guy came in and with a gun brandishing a gun about to shoot people. And he was a a legal concealed carry, um, guy. And so he, he took his gun out and pointed it at the guy and was about to shoot him and bam, he gets shot in the head and killed by the guy's accomplice who was a woman. It was, there was a pair that had come in. So you, he didn't need to take that guy out. He needed to run out of Walmart, run use your legs. You don't have to, I mean, that's, so it's, it's about self-defense and I think people, and, and also if you start going around taking out the bad guys, um, they come after you every time i it's just it's hard that the legal system is difficult there was another situation in which a guy was standing in front of a police station and a guys a crazy guys walking in front of the police station taking out cops with an ar did you see this one with like an ar15 he was taken mm-hmm. out so this guy's across the street and he does the good guy move pulls his gun out and oh and the cops are uh cowering in the uh the station they won't confront the guy they're afraid they won't come out and, and do anything so this civilian pulls his gun out kills the guy because he's like this isn't cool you can't walk down the sidewalk and kill people he was only killing cops um the cops happen to open up their curtain and look out and see the good guy take out the bad guy and they shoot him and kill him so this is two situations in which the good guy gets taken out so you uh-huh. don't need to be the good guy so that just that said i and so when with the purse scenario if it's a i've so what i'm trying to say is the the scenarios i've practiced for are like pulling my gun out of my purse and my friend who was a, also an instructor who took us through a lot of moves um he's i loved what he said. he said Slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah
0: we use that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, because have... if you pull your gun quickly, your your adrenaline's pumping. We can't imagine. I've never been in a situation where I needed to use my gun. I hope I never am. The adrenaline pumping must be crazy. So, you're pulling your gun, and you're you're just gonna miss. So you have to pull it very slowly, which is smooth and smooth is fast. Then you're going to actually be accurate with your gun. So I've practiced pulling my, my weapon out of a bag. Um, I have to rack it. Cause that was one of the ways I kept it safe in my mind. Cause I was a homeschool mom around children a lot. And um, if it, you know, so um, I'm sure that I have not been in enough situations at all. where I would know what to do or feel confident enough or have that look in my eye. Like you said, you need, you know, so, I mean, I'm certain that I need to come get the next level of training.
0: Sure. So we actually teach you to shoot through the purse. Oh, we teach you to shoot right on through that purse, man. Um, If you can get it out great, but if you can't probably not. So most uh, bad situations happen in less than 10 feet. When you go to get that purse out, now you've put yourself in, I mean, purse out, get your gun out, you put yourself in this weird position, I can pin you, and you can't get the gun out anyway, right? So it makes more sense to lean back and use that, right? But depending on the gun, depending on the purse, yada, 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 we try to help you get that situation Fixed in the beginning, right purse, right holster, right everything, so that way it's prepared. So my wife, for instance, I won't reveal her location in case, uh, in case she encounters somebody one day. But the way her purse is set up, that she can put her hand in there and she can go to town without ever having to try to take it out. Got it. It's ready to go. And so the purse accommodates the firearm. The other thing about the purse carry, which I don't like too much, if I want to hurt you, I either want you or your stuff, right? So I'm either going to try to take you or I'm going to try to take yourself. If I go to take your purse and your gun is in there and I get both, oh, man, now I've got a field day going on, right? So there's a lot of different, um, I don't really tell people how they should carry. You carry what's comfortable for you. Just make absolutely certain that that plan is in place. And I'd like to touch on something you said about the good guy, bad guy thing, right? This is what I teach my students. We don't, I wish I had a board, I'm ready to start teaching now, right? I wish I had a board behind me. We teach you about a circle, and in that circle, we use initials. Those are the people who are you responsible for, who you are responsible for, whether it be whoever lives in your household, right? Those are the people you owe something. You don't owe anyone anything outside of that circle. However, if you invite me over for dinner, Betsy you've brought me into your circle. So you're responsible for me until I leave out of your circle. Once I leave out of that circle, you don't owe me anything. So going into Walmart, those people are not in your circle. You don't owe them anything because a good guy can get mistaken for a bad guy all the time. Imagine if I'm in aisle 11 and I see this shooting stuff going on. I look around the corner and go, oh yeah, there's a lady with a white shirt on and her hair is brown and right. They think you're the bad guy. That's why we don't do that. So what we teach is the reason we don't do that Every able-bodied adult has two things. the ability and the opportunity to defend themselves. You have the ability, meaning, hey, let me take a little money, go get some training, let me let me set aside something to go take care of that. You have the opportunity to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing today and I'm gonna go learn this stuff. The ability and the opportunity. so why in the world? what I jeopardize? everything I built in my life, because you didn't feel like you wanted to go take a class for one day, that's nonsense. Too many people don't want a gun and then they want you to defend them. Here's the problem with that. When you go before the judge, you can't say your honor, I'm sorry. I, uh, I know that Betsy shot the guy, but she was defending me and I want to take her charge. It didn't work that way. They're going to say, well, she did it. So she's got to take the charge now. Now I have disrupted my circle. I have ruined everything in my life because you didn't feel like you want to take a one day class to learn how to shoot properly. That's nonsense. We don't do that. I had a neighbor who was a, a, a corrections officer, someone had broke into his house and, um, he knew I carry. I carry all the time. And, uh, he saw me and he said, hey, come over." came over. The guy had been gone for a while, but he said, man, I'm so glad you have that. I'm looking around, I'm like, ha- glad I have what? He's like, your gun. I said, well, why are you glad I have a gun? He said, because, uh, you know, in case something happens, I'm like, somebody just broke into your house. You think I'm gonna leave my home and my family and come over and defend your house because you didn't want it to, come on, man. But that's the mentality of people. That's the way it is. We work private security as well. Be Careful in what I say. Uh, we are defending clients who don't want or can't defend themselves. So we have to be basically a meat shield for that person, right? That's what we do. That's what we signed on for, right? And I'm totally fine with that. I, I have I got into this field of knowing that one day I may lose my life behind it, teaching other people to defend themselves, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. I signed on for that job. Cool. People in Walmart that I don't know, I don't owe you anything. I don't. I don't owe you a thing. And I'll tell you one last thing before we, before you move on. Um, I don't think that the police were scared to shoot the guy. I can I can imagine some of those conversations that are inside that police station. And we do a lot of. So I'm, I'm a DPS certified instructor, right? So I go train with DPS at times. Um, they tell us. They said we wish more citizens had guns. They say that we wish more people would get training and do it the right way. But because they don't, that's why we train you guys so you can go train somebody else, right? And so. Um, I think that they were thinking about this idiot's out here. Now we gotta, go, we gotta go take care of him. Now we're gonna get sued. Now we're bad guys. All this stuff comes with the gun. You're a good guy until you defend yourself with a gun. The moment you pull out a gun, it becomes something totally different. So I believe that a lot of the conversation in there wasn't like whether or not we can get him because I'm sure somebody was off duty that, that could have could have flanked him and come around the other side, right? Um, it's about the bystanders. It's about all the extra that comes along with it. And I think that's something people don't think enough about. Yeah.
1: Or if the guy, if the crazy guy with the AR, you know, I oh, I don't want to bring it up.
0: (laughs) It's so so hard, right? What? What'd you say? It's so hard. I know, I know where you go with it. Go ahead
1: what if he's the wrong color and they can't shoot him
0: that's what i was just getting ready to say it's like you and i right i tell people play to your demographic if that's what keeps you out of jail play to the demographic it is what it is right you and i get in a confrontation right um i am well trained i have no business getting in a gunfight with you none at all i should be de-escalating if you feel threatened by me and feel like you need to shoot me. The first thing they're gonna try to do is race, automatically, oh, 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 racist crime, oh, freedom junkies, like everything is terrible, (laughs) everything is terrible. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of politics to come along with it. There's a slew of videos that you can watch where officers respond to a scene and they either get shot or stabbed by the person who called them. And then they get sued by the family. Come on, man, that's why I don't recommend you just jump out and defend somebody. I myself am not getting into any gunfights outside of my home. If I am to use any type of self-defense, it's going to be in my home. I will de-escalate. I will run. I will evade as much as I can, not because I can't take care of myself, but because I can't afford to get into trouble in the general public. My training level is too high for one, and two, uh, it's just too much extra that comes along with it. So I will leave. I will. I could be in line at Walmart. I hear some confrontation. If somebody's voice goes above a certain octave, we're gone. We have hand signals we use in my family, and we're gone. We're done. I'll meet you at the. I'll meet you at the at the rally point, and we're done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I love how you've used that de-escalate. You know, people need to keep that in mind too. You know, it's like the uh, anti-Karen. Let's not escalate things. Yeah, Yeah. let's bring it down. Yeah. Um, You know, you mentioned having become a patriot and Mm. interesting, um, what what do you mean by that?
0: Okay, true patriot, Um, true patriot loves this country. True patriot loves freedom not all the stuff that makes up the country, right? Like, uh, regardless of your political affiliation, um, the person in the White House right now is is the leader of the country, right? That's part of the country. So you get all of it, right? It's kind of like if you buy the cow, Right? You get all the parts in the cow, right? So I love this country as a whole. I might not like what's going on in Washington. I might not like what's going on in certain political circles, but I love this country as a whole. And because I love this country as a whole, that's what makes me a patriot. Um, I am about true freedom. Oh boy, Woo, we're getting close, ain't we, right? There is a, if you take liberty, right? Okay, where's liberal come from? It's liberty, right? Liberal, liberty, right? Freedom to do whatever you want to do. Yes, that's freedom. But what people don't take into account a big part of freedom is restraint. That's true freedom. When you can restrain yourself from doing certain things because they're vulgar, that's freedom. When you can restrain yourself from hurting people because you want them to see another day, that's freedom. I encounter situations all the time that I, I laugh and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. Not because I can't take care of myself, but because I want you to survive another day. Because if you come for me or mine, it will be a bad day for you. Right? And so uh, I told you I didn't become a Patriot until I was in my late thirties because even in the military say, be a Patriot, serve your country. But they don't tell you why. If they had told me why I would have been a Patriot sooner but I didn't understand what freedom truly meant until it was almost taken away from us. And so that, that is a, that's freedom.
1: You said you realized during Obama's second term Mm -hmm. that it had changed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I am 100% uh, conservative. I am unapologetically uh, (laughs) uh, all man, Christian, black conservative that is me that is who i identify as my pronouns are i pay my bills on time and i take care of my people right that's 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 who i am and that's what i am and whatever it takes for me to be that every day that's who i am okay and i realized that through that through that second term
1: right because you weren't always a conservative at all you oh, were on no. the you were on the democratic plantation since. absolutely
0: yeah 100 yeah
1: OK, well, I mean, I never uh, I never thought of myself as conservative or liberal because I was always just from the time I was 18 and talking about politics with a friend. And I was like, I just want the government out of our hair. Like, I don't think that taxes that taxes don't make sense. Why should someone someone require you to pay for things that you might not necessarily want to pay for? And I don't want the government. So I don't want the government taking my money. I don't want the government telling me what to do. I don't want them telling me whether I can do drugs or have an abortion or any of those things that were liberal. Like, so what, my, what I realized was that I was liberal socially and conservative fiscally. And my friend uh-huh. looked at me and said, well, you're a libertarian. And I said, what is that? Uh-huh. And it's like, I was uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Yeah, I was in college. <laughs> I didn't even know. And that's what it is. It's just small government. It's like, you know, let people do what they want to behind closed doors. We don't need to be policing morality. That's like you said, the restraint part of liberty, I think is so cool that you said that because, um When I think of liberty, like the difference between liberty and freedom, they're very similar, you know, I use them interchangeably pretty much and I think it's okay to, but to understand that liberty holds a little bit more weight, because freedom just means you're free, you're bird set free in a cage, you can go do whatever you want. And we all like the idea of that. But liberty holds a little more weight because there's responsibility involved you're responsible for for what you do. And uh, like you said, restraint is such a a wonderful thing because it allows for more freedom. It allows, if you restrain yourself from your desires or you practice Mm -hmm. discipline or uh, self, uh, what's the word when you uh, of self-denial
0: discipline, yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to eat that or I'm not going to go there or I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, honor myself then you even have more freedom because you have freedom of peace yeah. of mind and so um, you know it wasn't until the the whole liberal world got hijacked by mm-hmm. you know the the power the the people that are trying to control the entire world the the, right. the wacky narcissist, mm-hmm that I realized I'm not that. And I know people who are lifelong Democrats who've said, I don't know, I don't recognize my party. They they don't right. want to become a Republican, they're a lifelong Democrat, right. you know. Right. Um, but a lot of people, so, so the word conservative to me has taken on a more of a pleasant connotation than it had when I was younger, you know it's it sounds lovely now
0: <laughs> to be I love in- it man the best way it was explained to me is someone asked me they said do you think that God is liberal or conservative and I didn't know how to answer that and I said I don't know he said well look at the root words liberty is freedom right it's liberal just go do what you want conservative conserve reserve protect hold on to it. do you think God is liberal or conservative and I said man, well, that makes sense to me. God has to be conservative. Conservative doesn't have to be a bad thing. Think about this. You're a married woman, right? You conserve your beauty for your husband. You conserve your household. You protect that intimacy for your husband. That is conservative, the opposite would be i just gonna go out and do what I want, put on whatever kind of clothes I want and hang out till two, three, four o'clock in the morning, do whatever I want to do. That does not balance. It does not work.
1: Okay, hey, this is so interesting because when you asked that and the way that you before you said you thought God was conservative, I thought, well, certainly uh-huh. he's liberal because right. because God is more like nature to me. Mm-hmm. Nature is free. Mm-hmm. You really can do whatever you want. And it takes the oh. human mind to mm-hmm. decide to reserve, to conserve, or to not, mm-hmm. or to, to put the re- the brakes on or the reins on. And, right. you know, I think it's interesting. I like to use this um, analogy or, or just description. If you apply sunscreen liberally, apply liberally, uh-huh. you're very conservative about your sun exposure. mm mm-hmm. So there's a place where the two meet. Where absolutely why, yes. why are we even why are we even calling the like to me, they're both beautiful the idea of liberal applying something liberally being liberal with your friends and your and your love and your life and going out and trying new things and and um sounds wonderful and a a classical liberal is someone who bucks the system and who's like i don't i want to try things new whatever you old fuddy duddies i don't want anything to do with it but then conservative to me is uh based more on tradition which makes more sense as you get older when you're younger, right. tradition makes no sense, you have no basis for it. Right. Right. Um, so,
0: but I like what you said about, there's a place for them to meet. And that's another reason I became conservative because I noticed when political debates would happen, people who were democratic or liberal, <laughs> but people who were conservative like, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Let me try to explain it to you. And I would watch these two sides and I'm like, I don't act like him, I act like him. That's not who I am. That's who I am. You want to talk about identifying as something. I identified as conservative for a long time, but didn't realize that's who I was. Because a lot of things didn't make sense to me that people were doing. And so it's great to have liberty. It's great to have freedom. But you still have to reserve or conserve some of it because you can't, like you say, you can't have too much fun, right? You can drink all night if you want, but tomorrow, man, it's going to cost you. So you can be as liberal as you want with your time and anything you have, but the cost later on just seems to be too significant for me. And that's why I am I am what I am, you know?
1: Well, you know, when we spoke the other day too, we went there, uh, you know, Thomas Sowell says the way to get rid of racism is to quit talking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we can't get rid of race. We can't, we could, we could, we could all consider ourselves the human race and, and recognize I- you know, you, you, but it came up and it was really fun mm-hmm. talking about it. Um, I, uh, you said something about, I don't know. We were talking about how the people that we want in our lives has, mm-hmm. it has absolutely nothing to do with skin color and no. you and are are aligned there. You're, and that's the thing. Skin color is totally irrelevant. So why people keep talking about it, I have no, I I can't, that culturally there are, you know, if you're in gangster culture, thug culture, it still doesn't matter what color you are. If you're a thug and you have a gun, I'm going to avoid you. I don't care what color your skin is.
0: Thank you for saying that because I used to be thugging. So a lot of people look at me and they go, oh, well, you don't understand the streets, Jazz. You don't know what it... Man, I was not who I am now. Prior to the to the military, I was a totally different individual and I didn't care about loss of life or anything else. I'll just put it like that. That's about as open as I can be about that. I didn't have any boundaries on what I would do to make money. Just put it like that. Um, Now... I see those same individuals and I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, like they say, Oh, white people look at black people. I'm looking at you the same way. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? way are you pants sagging? Right? Like I'm, I'm watching you because that makes me uncomfortable because I know what comes with that. There's so much that comes with that, that people don't want to talk about. And so it has nothing, you're right. It has nothing to do with, with color of skin. It's the action. It's how, how you do. Just go ahead and just say it right. I'm not a BLM supporter. That's that's probably going to get me canceled. That's fine. I'm all right with that. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not a BLM supporter. All lives matter. Every life matters. Nobody comes to me and I go, I'm not training you because you're white. I'm not training you because you're, man, come on, man. I I am a heterosexual male, but I train homosexual people. I don't have a problem with training you, I just don't like your ideology, and I'm not going to participate in that. But I will absolutely defend you. I will absolutely show you how to defend yourself and do those things. That has nothing to do with me. Growing up, my mother was very strict. She did not play that. I got my butt whooped. Some it was just so much growing up, so much turmoil. Like man, mama mean, man. I'm tired of this. But as I get older. I'm so thankful. And I laugh with my mom now. And I call her saying, say, mom, thank you for whooping my butt when I was a kid. Because I really needed it. Those things kept me in line. And so the reason I'm not a BLM supporter is because the things that they support is anarchy and just whatever you want. White people bad. This, that, that. I can't get with that because I don't believe that. And so because I wasn't raised that way, I can't absorb that. That is not who I am. And that's why I don't support that all lives matter
1: you said you have experienced more racism from black people than from white absolutely
0: people. absolutely uh we we uh we try to differentiate let's backtrack a little bit um growing up I'm from a very small town Mangum Oklahoma Shout out to Mangum. Love mango man. Glad, glad I'm from where I'm from because it made me who I am. Wasn't always proud of it. But it was just like 1,300 people growing up. And there's a distinct Black side of town and a white side of town. Main Street is called Lewis Tittle. Most of the Black people live South. Most of the, the, the white people live North. So there was a great division there. But we still interacted with one another, right? And so uh, what I learned when we moved out of the small town First thing my mom told us when we moved to a new town, she said, OK, no more dough, flow, uh, that, all that slang. I want that to stop. I want you to get educated. And I want you to learn how to speak and articulate. And I want you to do things the proper way so you can get a good job and you can go on with your life and be successful. That dough and flow is not going to work. You can do that at home, but out in the streets, I don't want you doing that. And so when I would go to school and speak properly, oh, you think you white. Oh, you want to be white. Oh, you want... When did speaking proper English become a white characteristic? White people never told me that. White people never said, Oh, you want to be like us, don't you? Because you want to speak proper. No? They never said that. But black people would tell me that. Oh, you want to be white? Oh, you think you're too good. Oh, you don't want to be like us. No, I just want something different for myself. And so for years, that was that that's the that's that unspoken self, right? Um, we, we call it the truth is. Black people are like me. We, There's a Black love that is there that you just cannot deny. But then there's them Negroes, which is totally different. That is that, that backwards mentality that all oh, white people bad. I hate this. I hate that. I hate myself. That's that Negro mentality. That's something that they have been brought up with and could not let it go. Once you break free from that Negro mentality and you become a true Black person, a true Black man, you love it. And you don't have any issues. And I don't have any issues with white people. And the people I hang around, the Black people that I hang around are just like me. And they can't stand that nonsense either. There's, there's such a shift in our Black culture that nobody wants to talk about. You know, there's so many people that are like me that are tired of that. But we're in little pockets, so few and far in between. Because as a young Black person, you are inundated with the BLM stuff. You're inundated with, oh, white people bad, white people treat wrong, white people, white people. Why? But as I started analyzing my life and looking at it, I said, well, wait a minute. No. Most of the things I got in my life have been given to me by white people. Not wanting anything from me, but just wanting to see me grow and progress. But my own people would always try to pull me down. Oh, man, you think you too? Oh, yeah. it's a crab in a barrel mentality. No. Not all of us are like that, but the majority it's that way. And that's the truth, And I'm just going to tell it like it is. And that'll make a lot of people mad for that, but they know it's true and they can't debate it because they know it's true.
1: Well, I, I mean, this is awesome because I think people should be talking more openly about how about the real things about race, about, mm-hmm. how, you know, I, I remember the first time I heard Black Lives Matter, you know, and as a white person, it's hard to talk about um race it's easier to you know to let black pundits talk about the black culture or what's going on in the black i mean i'm not black i can't you know say that i know but i observe things and i am a human and i love people and when i first heard black lives matter i was like that's the craziest thing i've ever heard
0: duh like of course they, they do
1: there needs to be a movement didn't everybody already know that I mean,
0: I don't celebrate Black History Month. What? Oh, I'm an Uncle Tom. I've been an Uncle Tom for years anyway, right? I don't celebrate Black History Month. You know why? I don't need a month. Black every day. And I love being Black. And I don't need a month to recognize that. And if I turned around and said White History Month, they'd be mad. Okay? I don't need a month. I love my skin. With all the troubles that come associated troubles that come with being Black, I still wouldn't want to be anything else. There is never a day when I wake up and go, man, I wish I was white. I wish I was... No, I love who I am. I am not uh, oppressed. I am not under scrutiny. I carry a gun every day. I carry it openly. I don't get beat up by the police. I don't get treated poorly. But you know something? When I was thugging, I would get in trouble. Hmm. When I was doing things that weren't right, I would get in trouble. Hmm, My skin ain't changed. So what changed? Mentality. That's all it is to it, man. So a lot of things that are misconstrued as race. I remember this guy. I don't know his name. He's on YouTube. He He said he was a bona fide racist. He said, I was a racist and now I'm not anymore. And they asked him why he was a racist. And he said, because I was afraid of Black people. I had never been around them. And the only Black culture I ever saw was rap music and TV and movies. So I thought all Black people were like that, but they're not. I asked people this question. I saying have you ever killed a butterfly? No, I've never killed a butterfly. You ever killed a moth? Sure I've killed a moth. Black people are like moths uh, in, in the eyes of the world, right? White people are like butterflies, right? Oh, they have everything and it's it's black. They're the same thing. And some moths are more colorful and more beautiful than butterflies. But when you see a moth flying around your light like, bulb, well, it's an immediate, right? It's because they don't pers- portray the same color patterns initially. And you don't see them the same. Nobody I know ever goes out and tries to kill a butterfly, but everybody kills a moth when it's flying around the light and they just really wanted to, not everybody, but most people, right? It's the same thing with black skin. It's a fear thing. Until you understand that we're the same, the moth and the butterfly, we're the same. It doesn't matter. And once you, once you, uh, sorry, it, 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 uh, until you under, until you understand that we're the same, it doesn't matter. But once you understand that it's the same thing, you get treated the same, and it's that way. You see that I asked my mom even. I was like, "You kill a, a moth? Yeah. Why? Because I, I don't know. They're dark and they're creepy looking." And then I showed her some moth. She's like, "Oh, those are beautiful." So it's a perception thing, right? I don't believe, I I believe there's racism. 100% believe there's racism. But I don't believe you have any more privilege than I do. I don't believe that you can do anything that I can't do. You know what I believe privilege you have? I believe you have female privilege, and you should. Women should be protected and taken care of and uh, put on a pedestal because God put them on a pedestal as well, right? um we should we should take care of the feminine quality right but as far as skin color
1: nah see and i know of of some i have some black friends i have a a black friend who has expressed to me that he has a lot of black privilege because he is a lobbyist downtown and there's not very mm. many black lobbyists and so everybody wants him I bet. Everybody, if you're black you can get a lot into a lot of places mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you are Uh, confident and loving towards others and not showing racist tendencies yourself. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I was really lucky to be raised in Houston, Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. where I mean, it is talk about all the cultures piled on top of each other. My high school had everybody, the Vietnamese, the, the Indians, the Asians, the blacks, the whites, Mexicans. We were all there together. We were all kids. We were all playing sports together. And we knew without anyone ever telling us that what mattered was the content of your character, not what yeah. you look like at all. That's That's and so true. it was really hard for me to believe there was racism. Because Having been grown up in Houston, um, right. When people were like, people are racist. I'm like, no, they're not. I've never met anyone who's racist ever. Right. I finally did meet a self-proclaimed racist, but she was like, I'm, I hate everybody. I'm equal opportunity racist. I hate white people too. She's like, you know, like, she just hates people, but she had a, she could say something. She's not
0: really racist. She just
1: no, thinks she's racist. No, she wasn't. She come she, to think
0: of she it. She thinks she is. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, um, my parents live in Louisiana, and I go down there a lot. I will say that down there, it is different. There's a different level of racism than we experience here, right? But it's on both sides. It's not just one-sided at all. And I go down there and, and do, you know, murals and artwork, and they never treat me poorly. In places, I think that I'm going to get treated poorly, because I recognize that we're different. They don't. They never have. They never call me out my name. They never try to hurt me. And I'm in some places where quote unquote good old boys, you know, spitting tobacco and stuff. And you, oh man, I like that. They don't treat, but it's how I carry myself. Straight up. It's how I carry myself. Yeah. You had a song, you, you were singing a song at the thing and it said something like, they think we don't like black people. And I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. I thought that was hilarious because uh, I agree with that, man. I don't feel like that. When I encounter white people, I don't feel like, oh, oh, like, I'm not scared. I don't feel like y'all are trying to hurt me. Just, I don't feel like that. But I hear people, people come to class and say that. Well, bring it on, because you know, I don't know if I really want to get a gun because white people, oh, white people got to do with anything. They're not your enemy. The media is your enemy. That's not your enemy. Yeah.
1: I'll put that song, that's the, um the what's in the, the V song. I think we can say on YouTube. I don't know. I'll put that one on at the end of this. Um, so you mentioned being an artist and this is one of the things that makes Mm -hmm. you the most interesting man in the world to me. I, Mm. first time I met you was at the art center in Buda and you were doing Mm -hmm. the art brawl or something. I mean, it was one of those Buda art days and you are an incredible artist. When did you start painting?
0: Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, everything comes with a quick story. I've been, I've been an artist my entire life. Uh, when I got out of the military, I could not find, a, I was a land administrator in the military. I was a network administrator. So I built networks for the Air Force. Um, when I got out, I didn't really want to do that. And I found a couple jobs, but couldn't really find anything that was, that was up to my speed. But uh, I always loved art and always wanted to do it. And so I started working at Pearl Paint, which was like the largest art supply store in the world. And um, that's where I learned to airbrush. And man, I started making money, and I said, man, I kind of like this, and I want to keep doing it. And so, even though people were like, "Oh, that's not a job; you need to get a real job," this is my twenty-third year as a professional artist. Uh, so far, I've uh, client-wise, I've worked for uh, yeah. Warner Brothers, Disney, uh, Nestle, uh, had work in films. There's, there's a lot of stuff. I do a lot of. Wait,
1: you've been artwork. working. You've been working for the Cabal.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so they can they can finance our freedom, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I want you to send me some of your some pieces of your artwork so that at that point in the in the podcast, I can throw them up there and let people see what you do cuz yeah
0: that'd be great just yeah.
1: because it's fascinating to me we're supposed to be talking about guns we went off on race which i knew we were going to do and i wanted to i love actually i thought about it towards the beginning about maybe 15 20 minutes into this interview i thought maybe we won't mention race at all because that's what we need to do right just you're so human on right? yeah yeah well it's still they've just keep picking the scab off you know yeah. like it's healing it's healing and they just keep on you know like bringing
0: the wound back you gotta keep us divided. So I'm a firearms instructor and I'm an artist. And sometimes people go, well, how can that be? Like, can you really be like that good at art and you carry guns? Or can you really like teach me how to shoot but you're an artist? Let me break it down and explain something. What a lot of people don't know is that these samurai were actually artists. So when they weren't fighting wars and, and defending and doing all this stuff, they were creating art and music and it was a huge part of what they did. And so there is this mindset that because I'm an artist, oh, you got to be a liberal artist and you got to be like weak. You oh, know, no, 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 no. Guns are for everybody. And so the firearms is the defense for the physical. I teach people to defend themselves physically so that they don't get hurt. But then the defense for the mind is the art. And so when I'm not doing that, I'm creating beautiful things and trying to uplift with the artwork and the word, right? And so that is the other side of that coin. So that's what keeps me balanced. So if I'm not teaching you this, I'm showing you this. And they really are the same thing in the same person. So that's a big part of what I do is the artwork is a huge part of the the firearm stuff.
1: I mean it's like whenever somebody said you can't do something you were like oh watch me every every time well um so I will link to your uh tactical website what is it called again
0: it's uh, defendermindset.com
1: defendermindset.com and it's modern gladiator that's what Yep modern
0: gladiator defense. so unfortunately modern gladiator was already purchased as a URL so uh, Defender Mindset was available. So that's that's why it's Defender Mindset. But the company is called Modern Gladiator Defense. We're here in Kyle, um, right down the street from uh, Cabela's. Come see us. We, we'd love to work with you. But uh, the uh, actual URL is DefenderMindset.com.
1: And if someone were interested in seeing your artwork, where should they go?
0: So we're in the process of actually merging the two companies, but for now, they can just go to my name, which is jazzdavis.com, and they can see pretty much all of the artwork that I've created over okay. the years.
1: I will link to all this on uh, in the show notes of the podcast,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so are you on social media? Can people follow you?
0: A little bit. Um, going back to the art, I used to post my art, and my wife can post my art and get hundreds of likes, and everybody loves it. I post it, and I would get none, and so it began to degrade the quality of my work, and so I actually got rid of Facebook and all of those because it would it would uh, lessen the quality of my artwork because I was looking for that digital like versus the physical. So I do have an Instagram. Um, actually I actually have an Instagram for both. Uh, the Instagram is Jazz Davis Artworks, and the uh, for the firearms it's Modern Dot Gladiator, but. Uh, But yeah, that's the only social media I have is Instagram. Yeah. What's
1: that? I wonder if you were shadow banned because of who you are. They don't want your art getting out there. I wonder if, because that's why it's totally fascinating to me on Twitter. Uh, I have like 6,000 followers on Twitter and um, I get zero response. You can go, people can go on there. It is at bring the love L-U-V. It's a weird, they won't Uh -uh. let me change it now. That's my, Uh at, Uh, bring the LUV, bring the love. Uh And that's um, Betsy Dewey. And uh, I got a bunch of followers when I was running for Congress as a libertarian in 2012.
0: Okay,
1: And they shadow banned me, like shut it down completely. I used to, when I had like 9,000 followers, they they also took a lot of followers away at some point during that time on Twitter. But um, they, I would... Back in the day, I'd post something and when you have 9,000 followers, you would, I would get a minimum of 10 responses or retweets or likes or something. And sometimes like 400, you know, Mm -hmm. more often like 50, 60, 70 likes or retweets or something or responses. I get zero. You can go, you can go and look through my tweets no one is seeing them even though elon musk bought it i i've i went i didn't even go on there for four years i'm like why would i even uh, post something no one can see what i post so the right. shadow banning is real and i wonder if um if that was happening to you on instagram
0: i believe it man it's funny because it's, so i teach uh, the business of art at Inspire minds and what i teach artists is to make your website your primary for all of your stuff, because if they decide they don't like what you post to take it down, uh, I am one of the artists who works on the Raising Cane's murals. So, you know, Raising Cane's and chicken fingers. We do all of those by hand. So everything from Houston up to Canada, me and about five or six other artists, we do all of them in the central US. When I will post a Raising Cane's, like me painting it or something, they'll take it down. But I'm doing it. I'm physically painting on the side of the building and they'll take it down. And so I teach artists to capitalize on their uh, their own image and their own website versus putting all that love and everything into Facebook and Instagram because if they shut you down, you, you don't have access to it anymore.
1: That's so good. That's great advice. And that's what I'm about to do with Freedom Junkie Radio. I'm about to move it all to the website. I'm about to use a different um, platform for, for the, the, the service that cannot be uh, sensitive.
0: Yep. That's what I like about GoDaddy is that I am, um, uh, they're 2A friendly and they never try to hinder my performance as a gun guy. And I love that.
1: That's interesting because I just heard GoDaddy is not what you want to use, that they will shut you down for maybe for other reasons, but not 2A. Hmm, Interesting. And
0: I've been been with GoDaddy since day one, since they started. And um I really like them. They help me make lots of money and I'm not mad at GoDaddy at all. Um all right. oh, one more, can can we mention um can we mention about defensive insurance?
1: Anything you want, Jazz. This is your time, your show. Oh man,
0: I'm just I'm trying not to take too much of your time, man. We could talk all day, man. I'm not, I'm just this is this is just kind of who I am, you know. Um so <clears throat> okay. Uh help me understand this, because I don't get it. Okay, if you buy a house, you get homeowner's insurance. If you rent, you get renter's insurance. You go to work so you can have health insurance, uh, dental insurance. Uh, In case you die and you want to leave something to your family, you get life insurance. Uh, You can get pet insurance. You get all these different insurances, right? But people go buy a gun, carry a gun, and don't have defensive insurance. Help me understand that because I don't get it. I've spoken to people about this and they're like, oh, well, you know, I just, I kinda, I don't know. I mentioned that because I am partner with uh, US Law Shield. And so uh, US Law Shield provides defensive insurance. It doesn't have to be a firearm. It could just be a defensive situation where you had to put your hands on somebody, you get into some situations, right? And they will actually uh, not only um, your case, but they'll take it all the way to trial. And so there's several instances um, in, um, in the U.S. where some of these shootings that you see on the news and stuff, these people have law shield and they keep them out of jail. Very, very important, right? And so for my wife and I, we pay roughly about $27 a month for defensive insurance. It's a no brainer to me. It only makes sense. And so I partnered with Law Show because I truly believe in their product. I was pushing the product before I ever partnered with them. But now that I've partnered with them, the way we do it is if someone is to use my uh, my link and um, my promo code, which is MG33, um, we actually cover your first month of defensive insurance so you can sign up at no cost yourself we actually cover that for you just so you can try the product and see if it actually is, is something that you want to have but man I mean it just makes sense we were speaking to a, a named person and she said oh I would rather just not have insurance and wait until something happens and then I'll, I'll get a lawyer so yeah um
1: okay I don't know I'll link do you have that.
0: defensive. Do you, do you have defensive insurance?
1: No, I don't.
0: Well, that's why you made the face. You got of like. <laughs> <laughs> you better sign up. Do you do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes, absolutely. I am not, I am not the best. I am not the best person to to. Uh, to market this, they actually come to my classes and they teach all about it, right? So we have a class. They actually were out at the, uh, at the thing the other day, right? Um, they actually come and they teach all about it. and They tell all about it. But um, more importantly, it just makes sense logically. You and I get in a situation, boom, 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 boom. You call 911, right? Do you know that that 911 phone call is recorded? Mm-hmm. Everything you said on 911 is recorded, right? Oh, I didn't mean to and I shot him. Right now, who's going to defend you in court? Some some public defender, some person who doesn't, um, you know, doesn't know anything about guns. I would rather have a gun lawyer. I'd rather have a lawyer who knows about firearms and an expert witness who can say, yeah, this is why they had to do it and this is why they shouldn't go to jail. It's a no-brainer, man. It's too cheap not to have it.
1: And, you know, I get it too, because it's you're just defending something. It's not like you're going to win something and get money. Like you're not going to be able to pay. You're not going to win something and be able to pay the lawyer with that. You're just going to be out of pocket. I get it. Yeah, our instructor told us, before you pull your gun out and shoot it, make sure that whatever you're doing is worth $30,000 to you. And this was 12 years ago, you know, Um, because if, if they're stealing your big screen TV and you shoot them for it, it's going to cost you thirty thousand dollars in lawyer fees and just court fees and getting through this just to just to get it off just to right. get it out of the situation. And this then, company
0: covers that. Right. That's what they do. And that's yeah. a minimum.
1: And so he was like, "Let them take your TV. Let them take your car. Your car's insured, right? Yeah. That's right. Now, that's right. Your kid? No. Go ahead and shoot them and deal with the thirty thousand when they, you know, if if it's okay. they're taking someone." or your life. So, um, I, my, I never really thought about it. So, but I guess subconsciously my rationale for not having insurance is I'm not going to be using my gun for my TV. I'm not going to be using my gun. You know, I would only be defending myself and my family. And to me, that's very defensible in court. And I Mm. would,
0: but so if you call, you call not the way the process is supposed to work. You call nine one one. You hang up. You call law shield. They send a lawyer to your location. They talk to the police versus you fumbling and bumbling through it. And well, I think I uh No, 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 no. Okay.
1: You yeah. Call them. You to talk to my lawyer. Talk to my yeah. lawyer. Yeah.
0: You could. They come there and they take care of that. So it's, okay. it's a very, very helpful service, and they also defend you civilly as well. Okay. I tell everybody, I say, hey, it's on me for a month. Try it. If you don't like it, cancel it and you don't lose anything. You know, um, We really believe in the product. It works. It's something I've had since day one. I actually bought it because uh, I got my license carrier from Central Texas Gunworks, Michael Cargill. His parents actually had to use it. Someone broke into their home and it kept them out of jail. It okay. took care of them. Okay. So it really works. I highly recommend it. And for 20 something bucks a month, that's a couple Starbucks. How,
1: how do I put that in the show notes? What is it? USlawshield.com? Or... Yeah,
0: I, I actually have a, uh, can I email you the link? Cause I don't want to say it wrong, but they have a, they give me a special QR code and everything. So I can right. continue all that stuff. Right. And you we can just
1: support you. You know what? I haven't, I mean, I've never, um, Freedom Junkie Radio has just been something I've done out of just the love of my heart for humanity. That's my goal. Yeah as i go into my uh the second half of my life is to maintain liberty for future generations the way that it's been maintained for us actually it'd be better if we maintained it better you know so anyway every anything i can do and i haven't um figured out a way to, for people to help me it it costs me quite a bit to do this podcast i was thinking about it this morning all of my like to to have the um the service I use just even this zoom, I use a professional zoom. I don't know what it costs a couple hundred bucks a year um, or something like that. Anyway, um, I recently for my listeners have buy me a coffee. You can go to buy me a coffee. And I think it's just Betsy. I think I actually got buy me a coffee, like dot Betsy. So uh, I'll have to put that. I'll put that in the show notes as well, because you can buy, you can just toss me five bucks and say, thank you.
0: Right, Um, Right.
1: Cause it, it is nice. It is really nice to be, uh, yeah. appreciated. So, well, morning, I, man. I appreciate you so much jazz. It is so So much- I got
0: one question for you. Okay. When are we going to shoot some guns?
1: Oh, okay. We'll come. Let me, um, how many people do you like in your class?
0: So, um, I'm kind of weird like that. I try to cap it at 8, but um I don't mind. I don't mind coming to shoot on your range and doing some training with you. I just want to train with you.
1: So I I love the package of you, the the artist, the gun instructor, the lover of people and humanity. Um
0: we actually just bought artgunner.com. And that is the next evolution of this is Modern Gladiator and Jazz Davis Artworks is becoming one to be artgunner.com. Awesome. We've already purchased the URL and just working on getting some of that stuff together.
1: Branding yourself as who you are. This is wonderful. So if people want to get in touch with you and get a class with you, they can do that. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, if they want to look at your artwork, they can do that. And... So, Jazz, I just can't thank you enough for coming out and spending your time and letting us know how much more training we all need. And I remember you had said, it doesn't have to be with you. You don't care. Yeah,
0: I really don't. Yes, America, America, listen, please get some training. If you own a firearm, you are responsible for that firearm and the people around you. Please get some training, whether you get it from me or anybody, please. And I don't mean... Uncle Ted and uh, Brother Joe and, you know, somebody's neighbor. No, 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 no. Pay somebody, get some training, and uh, it will definitely reward you in the future. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you one more thing, and I'm going to let you go. I truly believe it is a conspiracy. (laughs) You know, every video, every movie poster you see, what do you see, right? Nobody's looking at, they're always perpetrating really bad gun grips, I believe that's on purpose. I really believe that's on purpose, to keep people stupid. Think about it. If I showed you a picture of somebody texting and driving, what's gonna happen? It just, it it makes you irate, right? That's how I feel when I see this.
1: Yeah, I I tell people that when we teach people to shoot, like you never put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to shoot. If someone knows what they're doing, you'll see their their finger on the side of the gun. It's not on the right. trigger, but in, right. like you just said, in Hollywood, their finger's always on the trigger.
0: Think about it. They go out of their way to make everything perfect. And I've worked on some film productions. They make everything perfect except this.
1: Okay, Why do you th- am I allowed to put that on the video or no?
0: Absolutely, put that on the video. I'll tell it like it is. I'm gonna but say I mean, it right now again. This, it was- yes. With-
1: it was when we thought we were done that you pulled that out and said, I can show this now. I didn't know if we can put it. Of course we can, they're all over YouTube. Yeah,
0: this is, so let's, this is how you put this on. So, so this is not a real gun. You can tell that it's not a real gun. Even though it has a magazine that's airsoft and we know we can point airsoft at each other, right? So just cause it has an orange tip doesn't mean that it's not a real gun. You can tell that it's not a real gun because on the slide, cameras there's no ejection port real guns have to have an ejection port and so yeah i'm I'm here in the shop and i've always got something like this laying around
1: yes everyone out there listening you never put your finger on the trigger ever 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 put
0: your finger on the trigger we were talking about freedom but now we're going to talk about gun safety for a minute because this is driving me up wall. I have a collection of these pictures that I show in class. Every movie poster you have ever seen with the exception of some of the new stuff that has come out, what do you always see? Their fingers on the trigger, they're not looking anywhere they're supposed to. Why do you think that is? It permeates a culture of stupidity in America. Bad gun culture. Every movie poster you see is like that. It is unsafe, it is done wrong, and I'm tired of it. It has to stop. That is part of my mission, is to get people to stop doing stupid stuff. To show
1: people how you really hold a gun.
0: Good. So, in a perfect world, you should be able to look all the way down the firing line and see no fingers on triggers. Is my finger on the trigger? No. No, right? But that's not good enough for us. How we do it here at Modern Gladiator? I want you to index like this. The reason I teach you to index in this manner is because when you draw the gun and you're afraid, you don't accidentally index like this and shoot okay, yourself.
1: Okay. For
0: years, we've been taught to index like this. And in most holsters, I wish I had one here, I'll show you. And most holsters, you index like this. So as you come out and you're afraid, you go, oh, right? And you hurt yourself. If you index like this, no matter how afraid you are, when you take that gun out, it's not possible for you to put your finger on the trigger. That's the way we teach it. Right. Not here, not here, not here. Not
1: here. Yep. So my, my kid was playing airsoft with some new kids the other day they came over and there was this 10 year old kid and he came out all decked out and he had the big rifle and he was holding it perfectly with his finger mm-hmm. this on the gun. And I looked at him and I mean, I don't know this kid. And I'm like, you, you know how to, you know, gun safety, you know what you're doing. I, mean, I look- love
0: that. There is nothing more sexy than to see a woman who has great grip and great gun safety. I credit my wife for that. I love to watch her shoot cause she's fantastic. So watch this. If everything in Hollywood is made to be perfect, they spend millions of dollars to make everything right. Right? Watch this. it spend millions of dollars to make everything right. Which one looks better?
1: Oh, definitely number two,
0: right? Does that make any sense? This looks so bad and stupid. Why would they do this? They do it on purpose. That's what we want. That's our grip. That looks right. It's just that simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's don't don't even get me on that one because I go on that one all day. That's yeah. That, that has to stop. I, I've claimed a uh, 2023 as a year. Show me your grip. Show, show me. me your grip. Okay. Show me your grip. Okay. I want to see what people's grip looks like. This this has got to stop. We've seen some. We see some stuff sometimes, man. We see some. some I've seen this one.
1: Show me your grip.
0: Show me your grip. Twenty twenty three. Show me your grip. I want to see your grip. What does your grip look like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jazz. All talk right. To cool. you soon.
0: Sounds good. Thank you.
1: Signing off freedom junkies till next time. Ciao. Bye. I live than a king ever